and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Karen Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is more loyal to the USPS than the Postmaster General. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Karen. How are you? I am doing excellent. Um, it is September, so when 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 we record this podcast, Cody sends me his his files, and he always like puts like the date that we recorded, and it's one of those things where it's like a reminder of how fast time is going, and we're in September now. Cody, there's college football going on. The NFL is about to start. We're still focused on baseball, but that's, you know, a sign of the seasons of change. And we haven't had a vibe check for the Tigers in a while. And obviously we know how the games are going. And we got a couple guys that just called up. We'll talk about that in a second. There's been some some returns and some from the fan base at least some lamenting of of the product on the field so you're there you're in the locker room you're talking to AJ you're talking to players I thought you know we haven't had a vibe check in a while what's the vibe what's the vibe yeah in the words of Taylor Swift August slipped away like a bottle of wine (laughs) yes in two moment in time um I don't know. I think the last couple of days vibes been better because Spencer Torkelson's back here. Ryan Kreidler is up for the first time. Suddenly you look across the room and it's a pretty different core guys. Kerry Carpenter, Brobishki, Garrett Hill basically have the eerie team from last year. Plus, you know, uh, Javi Baez and Jonathan Scope and Miguel Cabrera. So I, I think a little more youth. I think it was at least like something new, some guys glad to be up here i think you could kind of feel that positivity in the room just the past few days before that it was definitely uh you could feel late august you know it's probably the worst time in an mlb season i've heard it called angry august before because everyone's there everyone's burnout everyone's sick of each other especially if you're on a losing team and you're not quite to september call-ups or if even if you're a playoff team really those meaningful crunch time games August can be kind of a lull, kind of when things really get hard. And I think early September, things pick up a little bit. For this Tigers team, it still is like, oh, we got, you know, we got four more weeks of this. Um, but I think at least with Kreidler, Torkelson, some of these other guys, there's there's kind of some storylines to lean into a little bit more. And and these guys feel like they're playing for, um, for something, you know, they're playing to prove themselves. Yeah, and, you know, Longtime listeners know that one of one of my core philosophies is interest comes from urgency, and there's definitely a sense of urgency with Kreidler and Torkelson. I I, I was I, I was trying to like contextualize this a little bit, and I was like, like look, it's not like Spencer's at the tail end of whatever his development tail will be, but. When we live in the moment and we and we grind every day and we and, and we freak out about every little thing in this sport and society, uh, it feels like oh my you know, like is this guy any good you know and so but with Kreidler it's like a long awaited like you you made it type deal it's kind of like a tale of two moods a little bit as I was thinking through it whereas Spencer he's you know the pressure of being one one. And then the pressure of, you know, not performing up to snuff when he got the job out of spring training. And then Kreidler, there's some elation there. You get those stories about the parents and seeing them, you know, play Major League Baseball for the first time. That's all great. There's like, it's like, it was kind of like two different moves as I was like reading. Spencer specifically, then we'll get to Kreidler. We know baseball is a mental game. And we know that he has the physical ability to perform at a high level. Did you Were you able to get a gauge, and you wrote about this in The Athletic, you can read it if you're a subscriber, were you able to get a little bit of a gauge of kind of what he's gone through? Because that, you know, I mean, sometimes this gets lost. I mean, just kind of think about it, like, for the person. You're... 
one of the best players in college baseball, and then you get picked number one overall for your chosen profession. You shoot through the, I don't know what an analogy would be for the minors, but you shoot through the training process, and then you get to the show, you get to the top level, and you fail. And then you have to go reset a little bit. It's 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 a weird vibe, and it doesn't necessarily make it an indicator of what's moving forward. But it is something that he has to tackle. Yeah, I you know I think just looking at Spencer, granted he had to catch like a six a.m. flight from Rochester to Detroit, so he was running on short sleep. But it's not all. I swear he just looked. <laughs> swear he just looked a little older, man. There was a uh, like more stubble on his face and kind of some red in his eyes, and it, that's probably the travel. But uh, I don't know. Like a season can can kind of age you like it like it does like AJ's hair is way more gray than it was when he started this job um with Torkelson obviously it's been a tough year I'm not I'm not like a believer really in new year's resolutions I think it's because I've uh played and been around too much baseball and understand there are going to be ups and downs and and you know life is about kind of managing those more than making some grand resolution but at the beginning of each year, I, like a lot of people do, kind of reflect, you know, what I hope, what, I, what was the past year like, what I hope to accomplish, what sort of progress would I like to make in my life in the next year. I'm sure Spencer Torkelson, 2022, he's like, I'm making my big league debut. I want to have success. I want to really, you know, get this franchise on the right trajectory. Surely all those thoughts went through his mind and it hasn't happened. So now you get the other reality of life and of baseball. How do you deal with things? when life doesn't go according to your plans um that's a tough challenge and ultimately a challenge that that can be a separator for a lot of people seems like torkelson's clearly put in the work he talked about going down some he called them deep deep dark rabbit holes uh trying to fix his swing which is kind of interesting terminology i think we got a little more of a glimpse into his mind in terms of like the depths of, of just how much he's thought of this um he talked about late nights just watching film you're trying to fix something Thorkelson returns to the majors, not a totally new hitter. It seems like the adjustments he made were more subtle than transformative. Stands a little closer to the plate. His hand path just seems uh, better. There's not really that, you know, I think there is a little more of a load, like better weight distribution throughout his swing. He's not super stiff on that front leg. There's not really like a timing mechanism like I wanted to see. It's not really like a new swing uh, which ultimately is probably probably good, right? Asking a guy to reshape his entire swing midseason is probably a dangerous proposition. But there are some subtle adjustments. The numbers in AAA overall weren't great, but his final 13 games, he was starting to sting the ball pretty good. The numbers were better. He was taking his walks. So now we'll see, you know, his debut, uh, it, you know, didn't get a hit. Uh, missed a couple pitches down the middle again, but he also had a hard line out to center. Uh, that's all life. That's all baseball. I do think it's important that Torkelson has a good month. I think he will feel a lot better about himself going into the off season. I think the Tigers can feel a lot better about their trajectory um, of this of this team build if Torkelson can play well down the stretch here. Yeah, and to the all that said, September momentum is like kind of a myth. Well, so. yes, that was gonna be one of my points because there's a. Uh... What is it good for? Absolutely nothing element to it where it's like, okay, maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. You know, I'd like to feel better about Torgerson. Obviously, he would like to feel better about his play, his approach. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Dan Dickerson on the radio is that, you know, as he's calling a game, especially with a team struggling, especially with young young players trying to, get their feel he's always talking about approach he's always talking about like quality at bats like uh, tigers fans just i hope you guys know how lucky you have it that you know dan diggerson is able to not just call a game but like explain a game and explain the mechanism of building a baseball player and a baseball team those kind of things are they don't get talked about enough i guess is what i would say and in regards to Torkelson, like I, it's like I do care about the numbers, 
but I also don't at the same time for that momentum thing that you just said. Like, I'm more focused on the approach. I'm more focused on is he able to adjust on the fly, which, again, that's another thing that's kind of like a weird analogy when you talk about, you know, other professions, like what you just like. You have to you have to experiment in front of 20,000 people, however many are watching a game, listening to a game, to, to figure out if, uh, if, if this works. Um, it's, it's a weird deal. It's a weird situation he finds himself in, and I'm confident that he can get to the other side, but it's also not a guarantee. And when in regards to Kreidler, I don't know. I'm not sure where to, like, set expectations. Like, he's, he was a riser. I always, I always use the, uh, I always use the expression, does he look like he belongs? And I think that's important. But is he gonna win a job this next month and whatever i mean that seems like probably not that's not like really something that maybe ought to be on the table but i also can't rule it out when you look at some moves that are gonna have to be made by you know unnamed future to be determined gm so i don't know what what's to look for with kreidler here yeah kreidler's an interesting case i think because of all the injuries he suffered this year, broken hand, and then a and then a groin strain. He he missed a lot of time there, and as a result, he never really got going in the minor leagues. Didn't get the call up. He probably would have gotten a lot earlier in the season. And then you look at his AAA numbers, and the guy was struggling. His strikeout rate was super high. He's hitting in the low two hundreds. Based on performance, he didn't really merit the call up. But it was kind of the Tigers banking on. Hey, we know this guy is one of the best players in our system. We think he's part of the future. We have to see if he can play at the big league level. Um, I think partially because of the injuries, maybe it's a little unfair to expect him to thrive right away. But can he earn a ride? I mean, I mean, if I think I don't think he's going to be a starter probably on next year's team. But if he, you know, you got to kind of start thinking: Do we view Kreidler as a utility guy next year, or does he have to start in AAA? If he plays well, he could easily, uh, basically, almost, I would say, lock down an in-pencil roster spot with next year's team. If he doesn't play well, I think that's okay, right? For all the reasons we've just talked about, he gets a taste of the big leagues, whatever. Um, But one thing that validates the Tigers' decision we saw in Kreidler's debut, this guy does a lot of things beyond just hitting the ball. He went 0 for 2, but he drew two walks, he scored two runs, he... Um, induced a Bach on the base paths. He played good defense, um, a lot of little things. And, you know, however, how much is energy real? I don't know. It, it, it felt real um, that night. Felt like he brought a little bit of spark and, and doing just some good fundamental baseball things that this team has lacked so much throughout the season. That's one, one reason Kreidler is thought so highly of in the Tigers system. One reason he is getting this chance um, so I, I wouldn't make too much of a judgment based on what happens with him in September. Um, I think it's interesting. I think there's an argument for the Tigers rushing him up. Like, would he be better just getting some safe at bats in AAA? But I see their side of it too. Like, we think this dude's part of the future. Let's get him up here and let him figure it out at this level. I do think the Tigers are sick of seeing dudes crush AAA pitching and then struggle in the big leagues. I think it's like they're starting to think if you're a big leaguer, like, we, we got to know if you can actually do it up. Fans are also tired of that. And I think media... Well, I'm starting to get the Andre Lipschitz tweets. <laughs> so I, I don't know. And then Dane Myers. Bring up Dane Myers in AA. I'm sure Dane Myers is a great young man. I'm sure he's a talented ball player. But come on, guys. Well, here, here here's just, just a... It's a pretty shorthanded answer but how does someone who's 6'4 200 pounds look playing uh playing the infield i mean that's a it's pretty lanky build there you know kreidler has the best footwork of any infielder in the system i think i don't i think looking at measurements is kind of silly i mean you can learn certain things based on that but it's about how a guy moves there are guys who are uh you know, five ten and not very fast or not very not very. Nim- I mean, Harold Castro has more of like a middle infielder build, but 
not really like a fast twitch athlete. I think Kreidler is very graceful on the infield. Uh, love love watching him field the ball. He made a, a you know they were shifted and there was a cool five six three double mm-hmm. play turn. Javi barehands it at second. Torque scoops it at first. Kirk Gibson on the TV broadcast said Kreidler's flip to Baez reminded him of Alan Trammell. Just the technique, just the grace, and um, I don't think he's entirely wrong. Doesn't mean Kreidler's going to win however many gold gloves, but just his sheer technique, his grace is, is, is very, very good. I've always been impressed by it. Also, the last Kreidler anecdote we got to get to. Mark Kreidler, native of Tulsa, Oklahoma, former intern at the Tulsa World where Kieran interned mm-hmm. and where I worked for two years. So small world and the amount of Oklahoma to Detroit Tigers ties continues to like be super. Yeah. Weird. Too many to even make up. Uh, in regards to Kreidler, do we, do we have a, what's his tool that he rides to being a major, like breaking camp next year? Because, when you say like could he win a utility role we know what a utility player looks like it looks like harold castro you know what i mean so or you know as people like or dislike willie castro who can physically play infield you know the new york yankees have as the, as a utility player a guy named dj lemayhew okay well no 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 he can raise our standards for you first of all that's in the future no 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 I'm, I'm i'm gonna push back on that a little bit because dj lemayhew is way too i think it's actually mismanagement by the yankees that they use him in this quote utility could, that's the I mean, utility true. role i i i love dj lemayhew and i think that their inability to properly assess the best way to use him might be their detriment. But that's a side note. Okay, but but we in the Tigers like, oh, you're a utility player, you're bad, or you're you're a singles hitter, or you're Willie Castro, and <laughs> let's, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole this time. Like Mark DeRosa was a great utility I like that. player, was productive, yeah. played a, ver- a variety yeah. of positions, was a good baseball player, was not technically a regular, but like you can be. That's what the Tigers yeah. need and want, Kreidler. Can he? I don't know. Uh, I like Kreidler a lot. There's some pop in the bat, which I think is people think, oh, if you're a utility player, you like can't be a right. power hitter. Well, that's just like, I don't know, some old <laughs> convention. We've always had some utility player, like just a light-hitting infielder. Like I, w- I want to see some pop, but it's going to come down to the hit tool. He's got to be able to hit. If we've learned anything from this season, the Tigers have to get players who can hit major league pitching. I think the one concern with Kreidler is still the strikeouts, the swing and miss. How is that going to fare against more velocity, more spin than he's ever seen in his life? He's kind of already, I think, proven people wrong with his his hit tool, exceeded a lot of expectations. Now he has to do that at this level. I think everything else about his game is is there. I think he's major league ready as a fielder. I think he does all the little things right. I think he has the profile where he's going to generate power, but can he hit for average? Can he get on base? Can he not strike out, you know, north of 30% of the time? That's what it's going to come down to. And it's hard as we've seen this year, it's hard to know when anyone's going to hit at this level. Well, I, I like that you said that because another thing that I've sort of like retrain my mind to think is I don't want to hear I don't want to read like quotes anything other than hitting like you know what yeah, I mean I and I as, as much as a, a, of a, a, of, a um, of a Derek Hill stand that I am was what was the main issue you know what I'm saying and so, can, like, can you can find a million people that can field major league quality, but you can't find that many that can hit. And I'd rather try to hide. And I guess this will be more difficult when the shift inevitably gets uh, gets outlawed or whatever. But I just don't care about your fielding anymore, dude. Like, I, I like uh, the the Tigers have gone down this too far for me to be like oh well he's great in the field it's like that's i get it that's important seeing i saw i just last sunday i saw jammer commit just a basic error of course he had a home run the next inning but 
you know, <laughs> is like that's demoralizing. I get it, but it all comes down to hitting. It's an offensive league right now. By the way, I don't. I almost hesitate to say this because I don't want to come across as like a little bit of a negative Nancy here, but Kreidler's like about to turn twenty-five, and it sucks for all these guys who lost a year in the pandemic. Like a lot of guys in his draft class, right. like oh, they're older than we thought they were. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got and, a couple. And I, he's fine. He's fine. We're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, give him I'm, a chance before we start calling him too old. Yeah, I'm. I'm not say, like I'm not saying he's too old, but I'm like he's gonna be 25 next year. There's not that many people there. Like teams are gonna hang on to to see if they can develop when they're 26. For sure. You know, like that's that's unfair. I I'm I'm of the. I mean, I might be one of the loudest voices of people that think that we're still dismissing the lost season pandemic as like oh we've moved on from it as like no no no, we're feeling this there are probably going to be more guys throughout the league that are 25 26 and kind of just breaking in as a result of an entire lost season in the minor leagues yeah that's a huge deal and again i brought i mean i brought it up with spencer his last college season cut short i mean basically before it even started you know so like these are real things and and i do try to take that into accord but unfortunately like you know the reality of the situation is we don't really want a 26 year old being a quad four a quad a player quad four that's dumb quad a player you know like that's that's not necessarily good for team building you know so i i, I hope he succeeds but you know there are a couple of things working against him I did like the juice that it seemed like he brought early on and i i am a guy that kind of value values those things that you know don't show up in a box score or analytic and things like that i'm I'm a pretty big cradler fan just his like profile as a baseball player hope he's able to hit the ball because i if he is like i you know i think he can be a a really productive member of this team yeah the 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 tulsa connection runs deep i'm (laughs) i'm right there with you uh we also got some news this week cody we got some further explanation of things that Austin Meadows has been going through. Austin Meadows, physically we knew, had gone through the ringer. And I said last week, I think my exact phrasing was, as worst injury luck as you could have without having like a season-long injury. And now we get a bigger picture where the physical has turned the mental and he's also dealing with, uh, you know, working on his mental health. And he came out, he posted that this week, and uh, big thing is commend him for being forward with that because some some things that we have to remind ourselves is that these professional athletes are the alpha males of alpha males. And one of the things in our society that we are slow on is allowing men to show weakness of any accord and especially weaknesses that we can't see and and mental health is the epitome of that so i commend him for coming forward with that but i one of the things i also thought was if he's been dealing with this long and he's just now coming forward with that that's also a reflection of our society that he couldn't have come forward with it sooner if that makes sense like it like it's like attacking the stigma, but also like acknowledging the stigma, if that makes sense, because he didn't want to come forward with it. And this is not a criticism by any stretch, any stretch, but it's also just like a reminder of how far we still need to go on these things. We can talk about it and we can commend people for talking about it, but we're, but you know, it's still one of those things where it's not a broken ankle. You can't see it. And if you can't see it, a lot of times there's skepticism or you know pushback and you know that's just unfortunate that has nothing to do with him specifically that's more of like a cultural thing but i commend him for coming forward and i could only imagine what a whirlwind this year has been for him 
Yeah, obviously on the surface, very difficult. I think this statement from Meadows um, makes it all add up a little bit more, you know, and it's not that the physical ailments weren't real. They were. I'm sure he's still dealing with some level of soreness in his Achilles, but it just seems to, to complete the picture a lot more. Um, obviously, big credit for Austin for having the courage to come forward. Um, it makes you wonder, you know, the timeline of events or what what encouraged him to go public. Maybe that was him realizing there shouldn't be a stigma around these issues. Maybe that was him talking to mental health professionals. I don't know. Um, as I said a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I attend therapy and one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life, something I think everyone should do, even if you don't feel uh, you're suffering from mental health problems, it can only help you. Um, maybe this is bad. My second thought was take notes, Gene Motto and Eduardo Rodriguez. Like I, I'm sure these situations were difficult, but this is, this was handled very well by Meadows, by AJ Hinch, by the Tigers, by Meadows agent, whoever else might've played a role in this decision. There was a statement that was heartfelt, that, uh, was honest without really revealing anything that would invade Meadows privacy. Um, the, the team expressed their support and seemed like the general public reaction was very understanding. Meadows is being praised. Hey, great for this guy, for coming out, for being honest, for saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with my mental health. thought the messaging was, was handled very well by all parties. So credit there. Um, and yeah, I think now just on a human level, you have to hope that Austin is able to uh, work on his mental health and and bounce back next year both mentally and and physically so he can continue to be a you know good at good at his job seems a little less important in in matters like this but um i I think it's good to know the team seems to be supporting him as well from just like a baseball perspective yeah and you know the human perspective is we take this for granted because we just read names and and we just see him change uniforms and all that stuff but the human element i mean just some just imagine you're in your job and then hey by the way your company says you got you got to go to another company a competitive company yeah. and you got to move across the country tomorrow yeah and it's like what <laughs> what i have a mortgage you know <laughs> like you know i got kids or you know i got dogs and i got you know i got old i got a wife you know i i got all these things that no 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 you you still got to go do your job but you got to you got to leave that behind and that's t- like that that'd be that'd be tough for me to do right now. You know what I mean? Like I I would be freaking out. And then you throw in the physical part of it. Um, it's it's something that maybe we just kind of need a reminder of how chaotic this lifestyle can be. Number one and number two, I did for the sake of you know looking at the full scope of things. I did appreciate what you said about you know like the messaging because you know get off twitter for a second there's a lot of empathetic people in this country there's a lot of people that care about the well-being of their fellow man their fellow american their fellow you know and so if you put that out there you're gonna get the best part of mankind essentially and if you just leave it in the shadows then you just allow like mold like the worst aspects of mankind to kind of grow and that's unfortunate i wish it wasn't that way but it is a reality yeah all right well i think it's time for a little little mailbag sesh we haven't i i hit me i was like we haven't done one yet and it's it kind of surprised me a little bit because you know, there's been a lot of times that the products on the fields kind of unwatchable. But uh, it's like Labor Day weekend. Let's let's get the people involved. Let's get the people involved. And you know, as I've, I've mentioned a few times, for a season that's just been dreadful and miserable, and the day to day stopped being interesting a long time ago, it's kind of been a lot to talk about. It's been a decent amount of drama. You know, GM firing, yeah. a player disappearing, mm-hmm. Austin Meadows, the mental health, Miguel Cabrera. You know, milestones, injuries. Been a, Riley Green. We've we've, and... we've had plenty of things to ramble on about, despite just the most uninteresting season ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was not asked, 
but this is a personal mailbag Ooh. question from me to you. I just, I just, I just want you to say what was kind of going through your head. What, what emotions were you feeling? What were you doing when Taylor Swift announced that she's got a, a new album coming out? I mean that. I mean, we have been saying she's in the shadows for too long. Yeah, what's going yeah. on here? I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I think I was just driving home, so I missed like the suddenness. You know, I think I checked my phone. It was just like, oh, like there's an announcement coming at midnight. I was like, oh, all right, all right, <laughs> you know. And um, I don't know. Been having been through this a few times now. It's it's still exciting, but it's just you know now it's the sense sense of anticipation. Anticipation. It's like oh, got got to wait until October for this album now. So kind of agonizing. You're going through the T-Swift, like, conspiracies and, like, the, you know, the, just all the stuff that's out there on Twitter. Like, what could this song title mean? What does this picture mean? Stuff like that. You drive yourself crazy looking at all that. <laughs> yeah, probably not too different than looking at all the advanced metrics of uh, the team you cover or the team you love, you know? <laughs> But all right, I want to thank everybody who submitted a question. Um, we got some good ones. I, I didn't ask for like a second round because I was like, this is plenty of ammo for Cody and I to ramble on and, you know, for an hour plus uh, if uh, if you're into timing of the podcast and whatnot. But we'll start out with this because I think I, I'm glad somebody asked this question because this is one of the things that I try to do on this pod is I say, you know, how, what's your process? How do you go through this? I think people who read your work and and you know would listen to this podcast are curious enough that they want to know what kind of goes you know into a reporter's day to day and how they come up with this and how they go about this. And so, first question from and I'm probably gonna mispronounce this. I do apologize. Torkoro Ten Nasuke. As a reporter of a franchise going through a rough season, how do you manage criticism towards underperforming players while also maintaining the relationships and trust that enable you to write deep and personal stories about those players? It's a million-dollar question right there. Terrific question. That's kind of the crux of the job. It's something I've spent a ton of time thinking about this year and has definitely been one of the most challenging things this year. I think I said a couple weeks ago, I kind of, you know feel like I haven't got to do as much personal storytelling as I would like. I think that's kind of a result of the team being so bad, and I think that's twofold. One, kind of the preeminent storyline is like, why is this team underperformed? Two, let's be honest, not a lot of you guys are clicking on the stories about, here's some <laughs> you know positive story about some player who's probably not actually that great. Um, done a couple of them, and they haven't done well. Um, three, like... I don't know. Like, I think the clubhouse has been tense because these guys are struggling. So it's been harder to get to know some of these players, maybe some of the newer guys, um, and thus harder to break through and write those stories. I think some of the existing relationships, Michael Fulmer, he's gone now. Matthew Boyd, he's on the Mariners. I guess Daniel Norris is back. That's a good relationship. Even the younger guys kind of got to know Mize, Scooble, they're injured and not in the clubhouse. Um, so that, that's made it interesting. And I, unfortunately there, there is a language barrier. I'm not far from a fluent Spanish speaker. So there's a, a large part of the clubhouse that it can be more difficult to interact with on that level. And then you have a lot of guys who haven't been around that long. A lot of guys who are in and out, a lot of guys who are struggling. I feel like with the players, especially, um, it's been kind of hard to really strengthen those relationships. The clubhouse has been pretty tense all year. Uh, you know, I think one of my core tenets of the job is to just tell the truth. So I try not to make it personal, but I'm not really going to sugarcoat a player's performance at the same time. And I hope over time players can, can come to respect that, you know, if they're playing well, I'm going to explain why they're playing well. If they're playing poorly, I'm going to explain why they're playing poorly. Uh, I don't, don't ever aim to make it personal, of course. And I, I hope, um, I can shed light and have some empathy toward guys when they're struggling too, because obviously it's, it's very difficult. I try not to overlook the, the human aspect of that. Sometimes that's a big focus in these stories. Um, and it ex extends beyond the clubhouse. It goes into, you know, the front office, the coaching staff, the, the PR staff. I've mentioned there have been a couple times this year, I write something that's 
100% true and people around the, you know, I still kind of hear little comments from people around the organization and, you know, I hate that. I think just like the players, just like the, the uh, front office, no one wants to be disliked. No one, heck, I don't want to mm-hmm. be criticized. And so I hate that. And that's one of the more difficult things about the job is balancing how do you tell the truth about what's going on on the field versus how do you maintain personal relationships, which then enable you to tell personal stories, which is my favorite aspect of the job. Um, you know, I think for the rest of the year, I really want to focus more on just what are the good stories here? Uh, so I wrote about Kerry Carpenter, been chipping away at something on Jace Young that I think is going to be really good. Uh, hopefully doing something on Kreidler early, early this week here. So that's a long winded answer of saying it's a delicate balance. Sometimes I'm like, have I done a good job of this? I don't know. Um, but I think that when I really think about it, I just try to lean on core principles. That's, I want to have empathy toward the people I cover. I also want to tell the truth. Um, sometimes those, those are almost competing interests a little bit, but uh, I think that's kind of what I go back to and hope that if I do that consistently, um, people around the organization will see that and know that I'm I'm just going to keep it real, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a maturity aspect of people that just know this is like part of the business. Um, some, some probably get that later than others. Maybe others don't get it at all. I don't know know? that everyone in this clubhouse, maybe it's a result of it being a younger clubhouse or the media not being in the clubhouse. Like, I don't know. This is a clubhouse that's fully got it. Just to be honest. Yeah. And, and you're right. Another, that's only some, like some guys definitely do get it, but they're, a larger proportion than other teams I've covered on this team that that seem to be, I don't know if thin-skinned is fair, but seem to be a little thin-skinned. That's, that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Keep it real on the beat keep and it keep real. it real here. That's the truth. All right, this comes from, there's a couple that are kind of large-scale GM questions and, and, and roster building. Um I did like this. We touched on it when Al got fired, both the emergency pod and then also like immediately afterward. And I'll I'll ask it in the sense that like if there's any more thoughts that you have toward this. Uh, this comes from at J N Holloway. Most important quality for the next GM: make good trades, evaluating draft prospects, developing analytics further. Or something else. So good trades, evaluating the draft, developing analytics further, or insert anything here. Yeah, is it too much of a cop out to say you have to do all of that? I mean, I, I guess that doesn't answer the question, but I think that's completely what the Tigers have to find in an XGM. Someone well-rounded who can run a modern organization and cover all of those areas, not just one of them, because the best GMs don't just specialize in in one area. Um, I mean, so that's really the answer. If there's one thing in particular that I guess I really want to see, it's strengthening the player development pipeline, which ultimately, again, is a product of drafting, of analytics, of scouting, of making trades that bring quality players into your organization. There's one thing, like, I just want to see a player development pipeline where you know guys are getting better, where you have a consistent run of you think your top 10 prospects are guys who can either contribute in the major leagues or um, if they're blocked, then become trade assets. I think that's the one thing the next GM has to get right. The main thing, most of the best organizations in baseball, let's, I mean, look at the Braves right now. They have dudes who are, you know, they have Spencer Strider and Von Grissom and Michael Harris and these guys who are just amazing. And it's like, where, where did these guys even come from? You know, and there's just always this constant churn and flow of players, and that's a result of having a great all-around infrastructure. You're right, and I guess for the sake of covering a topic we had brought up previously, Robbie Grossman continues to regress to the mean. That's yeah, not, not bang like two hundred three with the Braves. Not so. not meant to be a criticism, but it more to like put some water on the fires of. Uh, you know the Braves did this. You know. It's... Well, so here, here's where I'm going to defend myself, though. I, because I've heard, oh, Robbie Grossman's not even good for the Braves. Why'd you make such a big deal of that? Why? What'd your manager say about it? Your manager say, "Yep, 
we got to get better in these areas. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. Both things can be both true. Things Maybe can, Robbie Grossman is not totally fixed. Tigers still got to improve in those areas, man. One of my one of my favorite phrases. Both things can be true. Um, we got a couple questions that are of the same ilk, so I'll kind of combine them. At Kyle MT21 and at Neek Spills 8. It's a great name. Basically, it has to do with spending and sort of getting out of this rut. Uh, fans do not want a another the process to coin a Philadelphia term. And basically want to know, I guess, whether ownership would you know, spend the money to get out of the rut. And I and I think we always look to payroll. I think it's more it's it's more than payroll. It's infrastructure. It's these things like, you know, everything you just talked about with, you know, the quality of the next GM is a system that requires people, that requires technology, that requires a lot of things that, you know, cost money. I'm more focused on that than necessarily payroll. But payroll itself is obviously important. Is this a, I guess this kind of summarize it, is this a way that you can kind of spend your way out of it if you're Chris Illich um, in a certain faction, or is the only thing to do to tear down, I guess to kind of summarize those two questions? You know, I mean, this is such a hard question, such a big decision the next GM has to make. Something I'm not sure exactly where I land on it yet. A topic we're going to continue to discuss for the rest of this offseason and throughout October and into November. It's the best path forward. I don't think it's super clear. Um, I think it'd be great to have, look, the Tigers payroll, I believe, is still slightly below league average. Like, I think there's room to add to it. And you have Miguel Cabrera coming off the books. Will Chris Illich do that this season or will he wait until Miguel retires? I don't know. The only time he was asked about it, you know, and he doesn't appear publicly very often, he said, yeah, well, next GM will have the full resources needed to be competitive or something along those lines. And that's vague, but tends to indicate maybe there's still room to spend, but it's like, okay, how much, what kind of dollar figure are we talking? Mm -hmm. The Tigers going to pursue a shortstop this offseason? I don't really have a feel for that either. Hard to get a feel when there's not a GM, you know, hard yeah. to know what the plan for it is when literally the person who will make those decisions um, does not exist. I think, I don't know, I, it, as much as sometimes I wonder if like another rebuild is ultimately the best, most responsible path forward, I just don't think you can do it. Maybe that's because I don't want to cover it. You know, well, no one wants to watch it. it. No one wants to do it. No one wants to do it. So it's like, okay. How can you balance? I, I think you add a couple more impact pieces. I don't know that that has to be Correa for $300 million. Um, Looking at this year's free agent class, I'm not even sure who that is. I think the next GM, you got to f- somehow make a good trade or two, despite you don't have a ton of real strong trade assets. I think, I think you can add a couple more pretty important pieces via free agency. That's not saying completely spend your way out of it because you got to develop players, bring them in other other ways. But if you don't want twenty twenty three to be a wash, you got to you got to somehow add some dudes to this team, which I got to note is only going to be harder because last season you had this selling point. Look, we're the Tigers, we're on the rise. Now you have oh we you know, we are in last place again, and those guys we sold on coming here last off season, Javi Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez. Austin Meadows like hasn't hasn't really worked out for them you know well that that plays into another question from a very loyal listener and Twitter engager Michael Siffler he's looking at like any free agents that you know seem realistic and you know there are guys on these lists that are going to get signed by other teams the Tigers may sign but outside of a handful, there's there's not really anything that's giving me juice, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it's a There's really not it's a lot of guys that maybe at the beginning of like the decline of their prime. Not to say they couldn't be productive, okay. but you know, you're there's So what what you really don't want to do is saddle yourself up with another bad contract. Yeah. 
the next GM, you want that to be your first move? I don't. And and I liked what you said about creativity and trades and, you know, maybe some of these guys could be upgrades, but, like, at what cost? And I don't just mean dollars. I mean infrastructure, team management. We talk about the pieces that it comes to assembling a roster and a 40-man and the farm system and, and all that stuff. I mean, there are names that could be fun, but are they going to push you up not necessarily you know so like i i just don't want to kind of go on a limb and say like okay yeah obviously it'd be really cool to sign carlos correa and move hobby to second base and and then i don't know what you do with jonathan scope you utility man him or first base insurance for special torkelson i mean there i don't know it'd be really cool to have carlos correa on this team That'd be, that that would be very fun. But is Carlos Correa alone going to push his team over the top? No. You're on pace to lose near 100 games. So, so this is so hard. I think we're going to see a new third baseman next year. Who's it going to be? I don't know. Let's look at the free agents. Justin Turner, club option, 38 years old. Nolan Arenado can opt out. I don't know if he's going to. Joey Wendell, or maybe he will, and then he'll get ridiculous offers. I don't think the Tigers are going to get Nolan Arenado. Joey Wendell, 33, has an option. Wilmer Flores, 31. If the Tigers wanted another Wilmer Flores, that wouldn't be bad. Evan Longoria is 37. Jace Peterson, 33. Charlie Colberson, 34. Like Brandon Drury is 30. That Maybe that could be a kind of a shrewd signing. This isn't uh, like you're going to have to somehow pull off a trade because none of those names get me real excited. That almost brings up the argument. Should, should maybe just try Jamer again. I mean, again, I said, like, I said, like I, like you. Now that I read off those names, like I don't know. That which which ultimately leads me to like, oh, I kind of think you got to sign a shortstop, man, because I think that's the only move that like really makes sense and gets me juiced. And then you try to be shrewd and acquiring a third baseman and an outfielder. One thing that has been hinted out, I think, by A.J. Hinch, Dan Dickerson's alluded to it a lot on the radio. I'm sure he's heard from people in the know. Getting guys with contact skills. I think the Tigers want bat-to-ball skills. They're going to be looking for a little bit of a different profile. Um, So, again, who exactly is that? I'm not sure, but I think that will be an emphasis going forward without any doubt. Well, kind of along those same lines... You know, from uh, Lee Reitmeyer. The more I look at this man, I think I'm, I'm not all the way there, but I'm pretty close to being like doubling down. Like I think you got to get a shortstop because that's the only move. That's the only thing that I feel really instantly makes you better here. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, well, since you're thinking through it, you're a GM. This is what Lee put to you on Twitter. You know, you got you got a payroll. You got you know. You got to keep Miggy, you know, whatever. Are you, you know, are you looking, what, what's a move that you're looking to make? I don't know if I want to ask you, like, who do you cut because you got to, you know, deal with these guys on a human basis. But, you know, who, what areas are you looking to upgrade? I guess you answer it with shortstop. But shortstop, corner outfield, for sure. Got to get the guy who can hit for some power. At a corner outfield spot and not be a defensive liability, although hitting, as we've talked about, is more important. I think the pitching conversation is real interesting. I think there's a strong argument for bringing in um, another, you know, pretty established starting pitcher. Sean Manaya is a name I like a lot looking at this list. But then it goes back to what we've also talked about. I mean, you really want to devote your resources to pitching. Mm-hmm. Um so I think an infielder, shortstop, third base, however you want to configure that, a corner outfielder. And um, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made for another starting pitcher. Obviously, catcher. I don't know what the what in the world you're doing there either. Cause it's, I mean, double down on offense, go after Wilson Contreras. And that's an interesting idea. I don't know if it's what I would do as the GM. Then you got Omar Navarez. Christian, Christian Vasquez is a good player, but he's 32. Jason Castro's 36, Gary Sanchez, terrible defender, he's 30, 
Mike Zanino is an interesting name. He'll be one of the top guys in the market. It's the same list of like one-year catchers we see every year. Yeah. I don't think any of these guys are the ultimate solution. So I don't know what you do there. Not only pay that, me more. But... To pay me more to be the GM, and I will come up with a definitive answer for you. <laughs> How about that? There you go. I mean, you know, also of no, so like people get hung up on payroll, but let me tell you, any of these names that we just listed because of the obvious reasons and previously discussed reasons, uh, you're going to have to open up the checkbook to get, I would think, a Christian Vasquez to come yeah. to Detroit because he just came from a winner in Boston, and then he gets traded to another winner in Houston. So, you know, like, money will talk there. Uh, another question from P. Sebastian Oz. Is there anyone else that's going to get a look down the pipeline? Uh or are we kind of exhausted with all the injuries this team has had? Are we kind of exhausted, like, realistic major league, like, or how do I say this? And I'm not trying to be, like, dismissive of anybody, but, like, of high-level intrigue prospects, maybe not people who are, you know, kind of closing the gap, if that makes sense. One other quick note on the free agency front. I think the leadership slash team chemistry thing kind of matters too. And you can't quantify that. How much you want to spend for that? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised. I know that's going to be something Tigers decision makers want to improve in this clubhouse. Makes me wonder, is there a way to get Michael Brantley or a guy of this caliber on like a one or two year deal? Maybe an aging guy that you think can still be productive, but you're not totally tying yourself to that wagon. Um, that, that might be something to think about. In terms of young guys, we'll see the rest of this year. I think we're about done on the hitting front. Um, Pitching-wise, I think we'll, we'll see a couple more. I think the Tigers would like to get another look at Joey Wentz. I think you have some other guys on the 40-man roster who you kind of have to make a decision on, Angel DeJesus and Luis Castillo. and I think those guys will probably cycle through and pitch at some point in September. Um, I don't know that... The Tigers are going to super be looking to add anyone to the 40-man yet. I think it's more making a decision about the the remaining pitchers you have on the 40-man and, and how to navigate that going into the offseason. So some more young pitching, but probably like the biggest moves that really ma- ma- move the needle are probably gone. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, let's. Uh, I'll ask this because somebody did, um, did reply. Uh, I'm just going to assume... There's nothing really to be said about Comerica Park stuff. I mean, that 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 seems like a classic Illich thing where things are kept close to the vest and they'll just announce it at their leisure and we'll be left sort of sitting and waiting and, and cases more serious than uh, a professional baseball team's ballpark uh, just sort of sitting with our, uh, our hands you know, on our butts, essentially. Yeah, you know, in it was June of 2018, Chris Illich said Comerica Park was going to get a meaningful renovation. And this was before I even covered the team. I'm looking at just kind of cliff notes from this right now. No project details, cost, or timeline disclosed. Seems like everything so he that's, does. <laughs> that's pretty classic Illich right there. <laughs> um, well, it's now 2022, and we've heard nothing really about this last offseason there were a lot of whispers they're going to be upgrades to game day stuff mm-hmm. and maybe some new stuff around comerica park maybe even bringing the fences in eh, not much of that really happened and so i know they're like game ops and just making like the scoreboard stuff more fun is kind of like a, a an initiative and there have been some little changes throughout the year i think we need to see some more creativity there other than like new ads around the ballpark, I, I haven't really seen anything new. So, great question. It seems as though this Comerica Park renovation has uh, disappeared into the ether. I did ask Chris Illich about that last year. Like, are there any upgrades? And he gave another vague comment like, yeah, we're discussing a lot of ideas and we're going to narrow them down. And I think Tigers fans will be excited about whatever's to come. And nothing major has happened. So... You know, maybe next time Chris speaks, we'll try to ask about that and get another vague comment. But unfortunately, I have very little to report on that front. Yeah. And to be honest, like, I don't know. The. I mean, I've obviously living here in Dallas. I've only been to Comerica Park a handful of times. 
It doesn't really scream to me like infrastructure-wise there needs to be renovation. I guess on the field stuff, I, you know, there's an argument to be made. But even then, I kind of think that's like overthought by fans. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I will I will say the I've always liked Comerica Park. I think it's a beautiful ballpark. Rank it top of the middle of the pack of Major League Parks, kind of how I, I, I land on it. The more I've been there, the less I like it. And this it, it's more just about how removed everything is from the action. doesn't always feel like you're at a ball game. doesn't always feel like an intimate setting. Hmm. And I think players can feel that on the field a little bit. And, um, you know, I think it's a gorgeous park, but the more I'm around it, like, how much charm is there really? The more I go to other ballparks, it's like Comerica is just as far removed from the field as it gets. It's really starting to bother me. Um, another thing, some of these, I think the clubhouse needs like an upgrade, man. It's it's kind of gloomy in there, not just because the team's bad. You have the, like this bad fluorescent lighting and like these dark colors. And it's like, I think you got to make this a little more vibrant for the players. And it's not like it's crummy, like look, Wrigley Field and pre-renovation and Fenway have had like there are parks that actually have bad player facilities I don't think America's in that nature but it doesn't feel like you look at like the Lions facilities on hard knocks like I think you need to make it feel a little nicer a little more big league and that's not cheap to do but I would add that to well, the but it's also a thing bad. that you can spend money on that's not payroll which is one of the things I was talking about it's like yeah. player you know yeah. taking care of the players that that that's part of your selling yeah. point if you're trying to get somebody to come in for agency, right? You know? Yeah. Like, even when I'm down in the interview room for AJ's post-game press conference, like, it's fine. It's functional. But I'm like, I think a lot of NFL teams have nicer facilities than this. I know uh, colleges are funded differently because you have all these billionaire donors and stuff. But it's like, every major college I've covered has, like, well, nicer Oklahoma facilities than Oklahoma this. Oklahoma like, State's locker room is really yeah. nice. Baseball. Like, why are we in kind of this dull room that, hasn't been upgraded since the park was built with like dark coloring and bad fluorescent lighting. Like just is, is there some way to make this a little I better? think it can be better. Cause I think that makes your whole operation feel, you feel big league, you know, you feel like you're doing something important Yeah, and taking care of the players. I mean, like I said, I'm in Dallas here. How did Mark Cuban make a splash when he bought the Mavericks? Yeah. He said, Got him I'm going to give them playstations <laughs> in their lockers, which, you know, it's kind of funny now given how technology has progressed. But I mean, Nobody ever complains about Mark Cuban like not taking care of the players, right? You know, so that that again, there's a lot of pieces that are part of it. That is part of it. So none of that's cheap. None of that helps the fan experience. I, I don't know what that budget looks like. I'm sure it'd make my head hurt if I took a look at it. But uh, it's something. Some something needs to be renovated. I think soon, it's something. Yeah. Um, and by the way, another thing that cures a lot of this stuff is winning. So just, you know, you know, not, not to say that, you know, the f- Detroit is fair weather fans. That's not the case. However, they also are fans that like really rally behind winners. So if you can put a winning product on the, on the field, people will respond. All right, let's wrap up with this. Uh, we talked about Spencer Torgelson. This is from at Big Smooth eighty eight. Um, how worried are you about Spencer Torgelson's development going forward? It's a concern, but it's also one of those things where we. Ha- I'll summarize, and if there's anything you want to add, you- please add. It's a concern because it hasn't gone well, but it's also one of those things where you still got to take a big picture approach and and look at kind of the the in between stuff, the the small things and 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 figure out if he's seen the game the right way as opposed to his batting average for this last month. Yeah, I think Torkelson is still young, still has a lot to learn. It's too early to sound the alarms on his development. Although, like, just the inexplicable misses over the middle of the plate and stuff like that, it's kind of concerning. Also, it's like, I don't know, maybe that's an easy fix. If his biggest problem is hitting a fastball down the middle, like, maybe maybe he's okay. Um, the, the, I'll, I'll just keep coming back to this. I still feel like Torkelson can have a long, productive, good major league career. The struggles have gone on long enough and just the way it's kind of looked makes me wonder how high is his ceiling? Is he an MVP type player? I think that's fair to, to begin to really wonder about. Yeah. Yeah. I have no pushback to that, but let's, let, let's wrap up with a little bit of fun, a little bit of fun. 
this Big Smooth 88 is an Arizona State person. Big Smooth. Going to Oklahoma State for the Oklahoma State. Hey. Arizona State football game. And he asks, any can't-miss spots for a friendly Sun Devil to visit before kickoff? So, I just want to say that Oklahoma State fans, as long as you're not being a tool or an a-hole, it's a it's a, it's a very welcoming committee. Like like mm-hmm. if you just went up to a tailgate and said, "Hey, what's up?" you know, most likely you're going to get a welcome, here's a drink, blah blah blah. Like that it's very communal. Stillwater is a very communal place. Um in terms of restaurants, if you want if you want like to do like the usual that you would find on Yelp, you go to Eskimo Joe's and just get the cheese fries. Don't really bother with any of the other food. You get the cheese fries. Those are very good. You can go to the garage if you want a really good burger. But those are going to be really packed because they're right on campus and and right in the heart of the tailgate section. If you want some Italian food, go to Da Vinci's. That's one of my wife's favorite uh, places to go. And if you want something that is truly off the beaten path, go to Nikki's House of Greek. It's a little bit off campus, and all I get there is the burgers. It's like one of the best burgers I've ever had because they like truly flame grill them. It's so good. I, there's probably not going to be a crowd there because it's not something that you would just find, like I said, on like a Yelp list or whatever. It's like visiting Stillwater. That would be a recommendation. If you want to go to downtown Stillwater, Louie's Bar and Grill is like a local chain. There's a couple in Oklahoma. That's actually where um, my wife Alexis and I had our first date and get the double down burger. You might as well call that the Karen Steckley. It's two big beef patties, bacon, cheese, mayo. That's essentially everything I want in a burger and it's so good. Um, so those are a couple things that I kind of rattle off the top of my head. Cody, you got anything you want to, uh, yeah, here's my hot takes. Don't go to Eskimo Joe's on game day, especially yeah. waste your time. Yeah, I agree. Too long line, just kind of a tourist trap. If you happen to get in like the night before and things are a little more calm, you just want to see it, go get yourself some cheese fries. That's okay. Don't waste your time there on game yeah. day. Hideaway pizza is going to be super crowded on game day, but that's one of my yeah, very favorite great. spots in town and something that probably does show up on those lists. You can get the big country if you're into meat. Yep. Um, all their stuff is great. The original hideaway. I, that's one I would be like, if you want to, if you don't mind waiting in line, I think that one's worth it. Um, yeah. House of Greek, terrific insider tip right there from Kieran. I wouldn't, Louis, it's kind of like every restaurant ever. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. Um, Granny's breakfast. You gotta get breakfast mm-hmm. at Granny's. Maybe the day after game, day of whatever. Got to go to Granny's right there. Also That's in one downtown, of the truly best spots in town. Yeah, yeah. got to do Granny's, and then I think just walk around. You know, walk around campus. It is very welcoming. It's it's not a huge campus, but it's a very nice campus. I think it's pretty easy to navigate. Don't be afraid to do what Kieran said. Hit up. Hey, you know where where do you like around here? And stop by someone's tailgate or whatever. Um, I don't know if you're trying to get into the bar scene, but walk down the strip either, you know, even one game day, even during the day, it's very nice and find whatever bar peaks you're liking. Jared Murphy's is where we went a lot in college. Um, probably what outlaws is more of the country mm-hmm. bar, but it's going to have like a good TV type setup. Um, so those are all, all some places I would recommend. I think if you just walk around town, you will find stuff to do find some people to talk to and, and we can't not mention the Curtis shack which is uh another stillwater institution basically the ultimate chili cheese hot dog um and you get the if you if you don't know what to get just get the dirty curdy it's the original it was named after a guy who kept ordering it like special and then they were like what's your name and he goes well my fraternity brothers call me dirty curdy <laughs> so then they they named it Dirty Curdy, so uh, so that's also good. that's right there on the strip in the middle of the strip. And if you meet an OSU alum who went there in like the seventies, ask him about throwing the bull in the pond. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great way to start a conversation. And if you're Ubering and your Uber driver's name is Tim, 
a yes. Say, hey, I make sure you get yes. Tim. Honestly. Best Uber like, driver cancel in Cancel your ride until you get yes. Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say like, hey, I listened to Turn the Corner with Cody and Kieran, and he will talk your head off because Cody was my best man. Tim was one of my groomsmen. That's one of our best friends. And so I hope I hope these were helpful. I, we threw a lot of information out there, but there's uh, the, the number one thing to know is that it's a very welcoming you know community and everyone's there just to have a good time we're not here to make memories you probably aren't going to see any fights you know but it's uh as long as you come with a good attitude a good attitude you will receive well said so anything else you want to plug cody you know you did the jace thing you're, you're working on yeah i think i referenced a couple things earlier uh my dad's going to be up here in detroit next week so i'm technically off although in this job like you're never fully off, so content might be a little slow next week. Just a heads up, that is why. All right. Well, hey, look, no one's gonna complain about some father son time. All right, that's awesome. Glad, glad he's able to do that. Glad you were able to get that. Um, Want to thank everybody for listening. Want to thank everybody for subscribing. Apple, Spotify, following us on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, and at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe to The Athletic if you have not done so already. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have an amazing week.